Blog Talk Radio. I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee, I up. Could it be my time is up with my love? I got up. The cops shot again. Bust out glass burst. A fiend drops a Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out. I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood. I'm a rat. To the death of it. To everybody. Come on. Little niggas is grown. Look rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Sit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase. The street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience. Leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die. We're not out. This is what now is about, nigga. The time is now. All I need is one mic. 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 All I need, All I need is one mic. All power to oppress people. African power to an African people and black power. It's your brother and host. Chairman, National Chairman Yang Nkrumah, People's Black Panther Party, coming to you again on this Tuesday with the People's Voice, uh, Black Independence, Blog Talk Radio, our radio, an opportunity for us to chime in, you know, to share our views, express our opinions, to really just a whole polyva, man, and poly, man, kick it. You know my philosophy, communalism, African communalism, unity, togetherness, ensures the survival and continuance of an African people and individualism, uh, that so-called rough and rugged maverick attitude and independence, separation from one another only ensures our destruction, our um, lack of advancement, involvement, and empowerment. Man, it's good. I'm glad that the people have called in listening to us. I know we haven't been on in a couple Tuesdays. So it feels good to be back with the masses of people and having an opportunity to rap to the people. You know, in my in my absence, in that little hiatus I had, had taken, it had given me an opportunity not just to collect my thoughts, but to really check out YouTube, um, you know, talk to various activists, black activists, revolutionaries, so-called conscious brothers and sisters in the community and throughout the city, you know, for those that know me know that I do a lot of traveling. And one of the things that, you know, happened to me in my, in my travels and talking to people, man, was a feeling of disgust, was just an absolute feeling of disgust. And what brought about this feeling of disgust was just the mass confusion 
that just enveloped us as a people, just engulfed us. I found us to be an utterly confused people. Not confused in the sense that we were just, you know, aimless or that we were just totally, um, you know, we, we like we were just wandering to and fro, but a confusion in a goal and a destination and how to achieve that thing for the African people, how to achieve a particular goal or destination for the African people here in America. And the conclusion I came up with is a lack of embracing the the American experience for the African here. A lack of embracing the American experience for the African here. Hence the title of the show, The Black Person and the American Experience, or The African and the American Experience. Now, what is the American experience? They say, Brother Yang, okay, you talk about this American experience. What is this American experience? For people who have listened to the show before, no, I'm always talking about neocolonialism. I'm always talking about the effect of being enslaved and being a colonized people and an effort to find a niche in this society, in this decadent society. Let me add that word. In this decadent society, we have totally assimilated and integrated, and not just physically, you know, not how we just go to their schools, um, their other institutions, but we have integrated and assimilated mentally, morally, and ethically. And in the assimilation, which a lot of times is inevitable, when you have a people that have been a captive people, and a people whose culture and traditions and customs and always and always have been totally taken from them. I'm not just talking about, you know, we where we haven't been encouraged to practice our tradition, but have been totally snatched from us. When you have taken a people and have eradicated any semblance or any resemblance of their of their origin to an extent that you can imprint. What you would on these people, that is a major crime, and then you have created a whole new, I'm not going to say people, well, yeah, I'm going to say people. You, you have created a whole new, um, what, is, what, what I want to say, you can't say race, but a whole new people with an understanding, with a whole new understanding. And mind you, when you create these people with a whole new understanding genetically, there are things that are innate in them. And so there is an Africanist in us that is innate and trying to make this African to conform to an American way. That is the American experience. And our lack of really dealing with this problem has caused us to seek out escapism in its various forms. We are a people who have been so traumatized by what has happened to us historically, that we seek to escape it. We don't want to deal with it realistically. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to address it. And it leaves us wanting. It leaves us searching for solutions. And a lot of times the solutions we search for aren't realistic solutions. So what is this American experience? This American experience consists of slavery, Discrimination, racism, trauma, poor health, poor diets, economic exploitation, you name it. This is the American experience. 
It also has, but through this American experience and through it all, we have had our ancestors and predecessors who have contributed not just to the building of this so-called nation and country, but who have created a subculture that has enabled us to continue this far. We see other Africans that have been taken from the mother continent and placed in other places that have embraced, as horrendous as it was, as brutal and savage as their treatment was, they have embraced certain aspects of that, not having any other choice, mixed it with what little bit of African remnants that remained within them through their culture, through their song, through their dance, through their diets, through their social interactions with one another, have mixed it with that and have created their very own concepts and understandings. Point in case, the Jamaicans. Let's look at let's let's let's, let's talk about the Jamaicans who through it all and through their colonies that being a colonized people, a people that were enslaved and a people that were colonized and eventually had gained some form of liberation, created Rastafarianism. And a lot of them, when you look at Rastafarianism and go back to it, a lot of it is biblical. Let's look at the Haitians through their enslavement and colonization by the French and being forced to practice Catholicism had come up with and created a Haitian voodoo and a whole Haitian culture, even a Haitian dialect, even a um, dialect off of the French language that is uniquely Haitian. So what it is about the African here that we are unwilling or unable to embrace the culture? I'm not saying we have to like the experience that we went through, but nonetheless, we have went through it. And you find us, like I said, to reiterate, trying to separate ourselves from that experience so much that we completely deny it. I have talked to people that claim they come from out of space. We want to be, we don't claim an ethnicity. We claim a religion in its stead and in its place. You know, and even when we, and then now in this age of information, I call this the information age with the so-called smartphones and having um, any information just at the tips of your fingers. You push a button. You can ask any question. You know, the new phrase is let's Google it. You know, and you and you have access to this information. So in this information age, we have still, you would think that we would start to cultivate and develop some kind of, subculture to help us deal with this dynamic, to deal with this American experience, to help empower us and to elevate us, to advance us as a people. But even in that, we still find our people seeking escapism. And the sad part about that is in their seeking escapism, they use it saying that we're only getting this information like our brothers and sisters who, you know, um, are more cultural nationalists or who have embraced Africa or more particularly, specifically have embraced Egyptianology or aspects of Egypt. And they say, well, we're only, you know, putting out this information for unity to shake the shackles off colonialism and the um, religious oppression that was imposed upon us by the white man or by the Arab man and all of these other things. And this will bring us together. But in there trying to do that, you only find them creating more division and being and adding to the divisiveness. 
the American experience, whether we like it or not, consists of Christianism and Islam. But with an indomitable African spirit, with the indomitable African uh, man or woman that we are, if that is the guiding factor, if that is the guiding point in our life, then some of these elements and some of these outside cultural influences wouldn't have as much significance or wouldn't divide us as much as they do. If we would just say, hey, you know what? It happened to us. These are aspects of our being here. How do we take these things that we have grown up in for generations and lend that to being an empowering part of who we are? This is what I'm talking about, the American experience. And this is the conversation that I would love to have with you today, the listening audience. What is the American experience to you? And is there such thing as the American experience? You know, some people may say, you know, I don't, this is what I love about our program. You know, our program is really the people's voice. You don't always have to agree with me. You never have to agree with me. I'd love to hear your opinion because together, us having a think tank, a think tank, will help us to come up with some, I'm carefully, some valuable solutions, some solutions that are realistic. I think that far to me, I think that the revolutionaries, for my brothers and sisters on the line who are revolutionary thinking, I think that the revolutionary has taken a backseat for far too long and is not addressing our social conditions and looking for real solutions to begin to affect a positive social change in the African community here in America. Escapism. The American experience is real. You can't escape it. So the American experience, let's talk about that. Let's talk about so much of the American experience. Where does the revolutionary fit in in the political, uh, the political sphere of things, in the, in the political spectrum? Should we be involved in politics? And how, and if not, how do you not be involved in politics when politics involve you? You pay taxes, you pay light bills, gas bills, you pay taxes on your food and clothing. We talk about building a nation but we don't want to be involved in politics. So how do you go about doing that? Looking at things realistically, the American experience has, by us not addressing it in the proper light, has caused divisions between the relationship of man and woman. You think it hasn't? Like I'm always telling, we don't just suffer from white supremacy. We suffer from white male supremacy. So a lot of us as African men over here, whether we like to admit it or not, suffer from this male um, supremacist ideology that a woman has a role. And I believe that the woman has a role, but the role that we're trying to put the black woman in or the role that we would like the black woman to play in our life and in our communities and in our societies, is it conducive to Africans in America? Is it something that speaks to their nature? Me coming from an Islamic tradition and having been in an Islamic community, I mean a staunch Islamic community. I was what, for a lot of my um, listeners out there who know anything about the Islamic community, I belong to the Dawah Salafi. I was a Salafi. The derogatory term for it is a Wahhabi. You may have heard that term before, Wahhabi. And... You know, I had the wives and, you know, did all of that, the veils, the gloves, and they didn't speak in public. And constantly, as you've heard me say before, 
there was turmoil and chaos in the marriages. The marriages never were successful marriages. And eventually it hit on me when I began to come into my revolutionary understanding and African revolutionary understanding and understanding who I was as an African man. I began to see why those marriages weren't successful, why those relationships weren't successful, because I was imposing an Arab nationalist understanding on black women, not embracing the American experience. Not being not being realistic. And that is always going to be a problem if you're not realistic about what is affecting you as a people. You know, if if you're not talking about, oh, I just got a text, I had the wrong number on Facebook. Listen, for those of my listeners that are on Facebook and that have the right number, if you could go back and put the correct number on Facebook for me. I don't have access to it right now. Thank you, brother, for the, for the info. But not taking into account the trauma of slavery, the trauma of discrimination, the trauma of gender discrimination. So we're talking about when we're dealing with our black women in America, we're talking about not just racial discrimination but gender discrimination. Those two things, how that affected our community and the role that the black woman had to play in ensuring the continuance and survival of black people. I was talking to someone, here's here's a prime example of how the American experience begins to infiltrate and affect our culture. When we hear black women downing and belittling and degrading their young black boys, their sons, and black men, you say, oh, that boy is fantastic. Oh, he's all right. He's not, you know, he's, he, he's okay. He ain't all that. You know, he, he, you know, he could do better. And that was, you know, and in this conversation, we're talking, and I was curious as to why black women down black men like that. And the sister pointed out, she said, well, you know, in slavery, during the time of slavery, if the white man looked at that boy, he was looking at that boy as chattel, property. You know, he was looking at how can I make a profit off of him? So when he saw a feat or this young man do something that he felt like was, wow, you know, you know, awe-inspiring, the mother would downplay that so she wouldn't sell the child. Oh, he really ain't all of that, Mazza. Yeah, he kind of slow. You know, he, he can't get his mind right. He, he, he's okay. He had a good day today. That's it. But he's not really anything. So not, you know, so from that, begin to understand the dynamic of why sisters begin to um, belittle and 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 degrade young black boys and even black men, and sometimes our women don't know where that came from. So this is what I'm talking about: embracing the American experience, not embracing it in a manner that we love it, but embracing it realistically enough to look at it to know what has to change and why we do the things that we do. We can't ignore the problem. The American experience has, I've been watching YouTube, and I've been watching some of our more renowned debaters and speakers go back and forth, I mean vehemently, to the point where lives are being threatened right here on YouTube. The American experience, divisiveness, arguing, primacy. You see, the European has put this, the European has a supreme or superior attitude to all other 
um, human beings, and not just human beings, creatures and resources of the earth. He will totally, or she will totally, they, as a race of people, will totally decimate the planet Earth. They will sap the resources at the expense of human life. Hell, they care. It's all about capitalism. It's all about more. It's all about greed. This is part of the American experience. One of the biggest imperialist capitalist countries in the world. In fact, they lead the world in imperialism and in capitalism and exploitation and oppression of other people for their resources. And we begin to take this attitude on. So I've seen in our more renowned and profound debaters and speakers that if you don't agree with them, they're coming off like their philosophy and their ideology is the supreme philosophy and ideology that no other way is right for an African people here in America. And that's that's a superiority uh, complex. That's primacy, not fully grasping that the African man and woman here in America are not a monolithic people. We are not all one people, not all one thing fits for all people, but that the there can be unity and diversity. In fact, we should celebrate diversity. We should celebrate the different ideas and viewpoints. This is how we as a people will begin to advance and to address all the issues and problems that affect us. Because there's no one group, organization, religion, thought, philosophy that has all the answers. And this is why I'm always pushing in communalism. I heard one brother say in one of the takes, he says, we have so many different organizations and all of these different religions. How can there be unity amongst African people here in America? How can we all come together when we have all of these ideas and all of these um, various organizations to promote and push these ideas? It's simple. It's about survival. (laughs) It's about survival. When you understand that this is not a hobby, that this is not something to look cool, that this is not just a money maker, that this is just not what will feed me and my children, but this is about the advancement of me individually and us collectively. That it's imperative that I find solutions as an African person. We buy into the hype of the rugged individualism, the maverick. We have been so affected by the American experience and neocolonialism, we believe that Lone Ranger shit. We believe it. We believe in uh, the Knight Rider philosophy, I like to call it. The Lone Man, the Lone Wolf McQuay type of thing. And there is no people that have done anything individually. They will push and pump that to you. They will sell it to you, crabs in a barrel mentality, but collectively they work together. They can afford to compete with one another because they have created a system through their institutions and a society and a sentiment in society that ensures white privilege and white entitlement. Therefore, they can compete with one another unencumbered, unhindered, not have to worry. You and I don't have such a luxury, but since you and I have it embraced, haven't realistically understood the American experience and how it relates to us and how it affects us, we actually begin to believe that if we work hard, that if we speak like they speak, that if we assimilate, that if we go to their schools, some of us even believe that if we marry outside of our race, that if we marry them, then they will accept us and we will be one of them. Understand this. 
our brother Franz Fanon said in The Wretched of the Earth, he said that you're rich because you're white and you're white because you're rich. You will have the white communists and the white socialists tell you it's a class struggle. It's a class struggle. It isn't about race. But in America, the class struggle is founded and based, the very foundation of the class struggle, the very foundation of economic disparity, the separation between the two was founded on race. This country was founded on racism, discrimination, genocide, exploitation, murder and rape of minority people from the Native Americans to the Africans. It was founded on that. It's embedded and ingrained in the society, in the very fabric of this country. And if we're not accepting that, if we're not embracing that, as bitter as it may be, as hard as it may be to swallow, if we don't accept that, then we will never begin to look for real solutions to find our way up out of the muck and mire of this decadent society. Never. In the 10-point platform, the program of the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, we talk about we want an education that teaches the true nature or the true history of this decadent society. Why? Not just so that we can point fingers and we can blame people or we can laminate and, and, and um, our woes and cry victim and play victim, but we want the true teachings of the history of this decadent society so we know our role and our place in it and begin to act accordingly. And one of the ways to act accordingly is to act in complete and polar opposite of what society says you should do. That's embracing the American experience. If American experience says crabs in a bucket that I should separate from my brother, then my knowing the history of America and knowing what America is founded on and built on means that I should embrace my brother, that I should be tolerant of his differences. We talk about this white man, I mean, and we talk about him. I've been on some YouTube, and I've seen some things, and I mean, they, we talk about him. But in all our talking about him, and in all his devilment, and in all his wickedness and his perversity, he understood one thing or a couple things, actually. And, one, and, and a couple of these things that he understood off the top of my head was the importance of tolerance for difference of opinion. So he began to build and sell America as a melting pot, as a blending pot, a place for the immigrant. Not you and I, but European immigrants. Come here. You can come to America. You can have freedom of expression, freedom of religion. You're welcome here. In fact, and he goes so far as to give the semblance. I'm not saying that it is a democracy. I'm like our dear brother Malcolm who said it is a hypocrisy, but he is given the semblance of a democracy. He at least gives the illusion that your voice counts. Not you and I, who have the nerve and the audacity to talk about this white man. We don't even want to hear the viewpoints of another brother, a brother or sister. We're so arrogant. We're so arrogant in our gathering information on what we think we know. We're not even tolerant of someone's spiritual belief. That belief in another deity or another um, or a different way or different forms that they go about expressing the reverence for that, that particular deity. 
We feel the need to tear down. Isn't this neocolonialism? Aren't we emulating the very people who oppressed us for expressing our Africanness when we came over here? Have we not stopped to check ourselves and to think out and to think about actually what we're doing, but we're so caught up into the American experience without embracing it? See, when you embrace it, when you embrace a thing, you grab it, you hold on to it, you know exactly what it is. You have turned the formless into a form. You have made the thing of no substance have substance. You have embraced it. And right now it's still a mist or a vapor. It affects us and we don't know that we're affected. And we see it in our actions. We can see the symptoms of the sickness without putting our finger on the ill. This is the American experience. So how do we go about embracing it? And is it worth embracing? I'm talking to my brothers and sisters out here, my extreme cultural naturalists, nationalists, who say that maybe we shouldn't embrace anything from America. Maybe we should go directly back to emulating. We have emulated and assimilated this European, this cracker, this devil, this savage, whatever uh, whatever term we're giving this 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 beast, we have went to the level of assimilating him. They say, well, maybe we should start to assimilate and emulate the African from the continent because we're African, but the African from the continent, and then that's a noble thought. I mean, it's beautiful in thought. It sounds wonderful in thought. But how do you? An African in America who has been so affected by the things in America embrace that. How do you, an African in America who has been removed from your place of origin, who couldn't tell you what part of Africa you're from? You remember this, and I know I'm speaking to a very well-informed audience, an educated, enlightened audience, so you know that Africa is a continent, but just for conversational sake, who... We know that Africa is not a country. So what country? And if and if you knew what country, then what tribe in that country? What culture? Exactly what are you embracing? And will this have the desired effect? Because you're still talking to a people that have been traumatized. It is time for the African in America to rise up to begin to assert themselves, to begin to say that I am an extended chapter of the African saga. I am like the Jamaican. I am like the Haitian. I am like the brother and sister in the West Indies, the Puerto Rican, the uh, Dominican, the brother and sister in the Dominican Republic. I, too, am a continuation of the African saga. And it's time for us to rise up, to tell our story. Not to be woe is me, not to be ashamed of what before there is nothing for you and I to be ashamed of. Not a thing. We didn't perpetrate the crime against ourselves. I'm sure Africans sold Africans in slavery, but we didn't do it. We are the effects of that. We are what came from that tragedy. We are what happened. So how do we turn a tragedy into triumph? What parts should we keep and what parts 
should we give away in our effort to escape? And I can appreciate, I can appreciate our wanting to return to our place of origin. But how far does that go in our effort to escape the atrocities that happened to us, in our effort to forget about the pain and the suffering, the misery inflicted on us as a people? Do we denounce, do we continue to disrespect the brothers and sisters who made great contributions and sacrifices for our freedom and our advancement? in our place now for me to be able to address you in such bold terms, with such fiery language. We have to thank those predecessors that came before us. And what I fear, my fear for us as a people is in our effort to escape that we begin to erase those contributions. To be, We begin to belittle those contributions and those people who contribute mightily to our cause to the fight for our freedom. I am a revolutionary. I am a revolutionary. And I think that revolutionary should be the fundamental base foundation of all things. If you're going to be a black Muslim, and some may not agree. I mean, everybody doesn't agree with Islam. And that is their perspective. That is their prerogative. But be a revolutionary black Muslim. Be a revolutionary black Christian and the revel- be a revolutionary Hebrew Israelite, a revolutionary whatever you may be. Allow that to be the prefix. Allow that to be the title before you call yourself anything because the revolutionary is one who wants complete and total constructive change for their people. If your religion inspires and motivates you to do justice in society and right to people, I applaud you because I know that for most of us as Africans over here in America, and let's let's keep it real, let's keep it real, and this is not to be offensive, we are not students of religion like we would think we are, like we like to believe that we are. We're not students of religion. I'm talking about the masses. I'm not talking about you and I. I'm not talking about the brothers and sisters on the line now. I know I'm sure some of you are very studious than what you believe. But I'm talking about the masses of people. And the masses of African people, they are religious based on traditions and culture, based on something passed down to them. This is why they embrace certain religious practices and why they blindly embrace certain religious practices. So when we go about And if we're not careful in our enlightening people, we begin to offend them because speaking against them is speaking against granddaddy, speaking against big mama, speaking against that good auntie that raised everybody and always had the good Sunday dinners. We begin to, our people begin to internalize and take it personal because it's not about, you can quote scripture and show the hypocrisies and the contradictions in every religious book and they wouldn't have heard a word you said because all they remember is the person that was good to them, the person that loved them, the person that nurtured and cared for them. I think that the revolutionary must understand that the highest goal of any revolution the highest aspiration of any revolution is the betterment of the human condition. 
It is the betterment of the human condition. Why do we change society? Not so that the black man can be rich or that the black man can be over any other minority people or any other people. We want to change the condition of society for the betterment of humanity, but specifically and particularly the African and America. That's my fight. I don't want my children to have to be raised in a society where fear has to be taught. They have to be taught fear for their survival. I don't want my children, every time a police car gets behind them, and I'm not even talking about turning on the lights, but that something goes through them, that this could be a life or death moment for them. So the society must change. And in order for the society to change, they must begin to be different from what society says that they should be or is trying to dictate them to be. So what do we teach them to be? I can't teach them to assimilate because the society is wicked. I can't teach them to assimilate uh, or to integrate into a society that has historically shown and proven that it does not have our best interests at heart. That would be foolish. It would be feeding my children to the wolves. It would be it would be uh, homicide, fratricide, and infanticide. Every other side. It would be murder. It would be murder. So I can't teach them to assimilate, and I can't teach them to escape because it's unrealistic. They won't be able to be productive in society. The very people that claim all of this, they're going back, and they don't have anything to do with politics, and they don't have anything to do with this society, and they're spitting all this knowledge. Guess where they're spitting it on? YouTube. Facebook. What's the white boy's name? Mark Zuckerberg or whatever who created Facebook, the very people who profess to be so profound and dropping all of this profound knowledge are using instruments and tools supplied by the oppressive society that they say they don't get involved with. So they're teaching, in essence, African people to be docile in a way. Yeah. They're teaching them to be docile in a way because they're teaching us not to be involved, changing our society, not to be involved in uh, uh, affecting a change, to sit back and to be one who so-called speaks knowledge. But how do you become active? How do you begin to change the things that have been done to us? You're listening to the People's Black Panther Party, People's Voice, Black Independent, Blog Talk Radio, with your brother, your host, National Chairman Yang Nkrumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Press 1 if you like to be recognized, if you like to speak. Chime in. Want to say something. Like I said, I'm sure everyone doesn't necessarily have to agree, but I would love to hear from you. In fact, let's go to our phone lines now. Let's go 817-7732. I believe this is my sister, True Peace. Yes, sir. True Peace. Yes, True peace. yes ma'am. How are you? Also, supernatural power to the people. How are you doing today, brother? Tonight? I'm I'm well, sister. How about yourself? Um, so wonderful, so wonderful. Uh, I, I did chime in a little late, <clears throat> about 735 um, or so. And so I don't really know um, 
the subject, but what I did catch of what you were saying, <clears throat> the only thing that we can really do is change our minds. You have to, you have to change your mind. You have to change the way you, you, um, you have to change your mind. And in changing our mind, it's about elevation. So not so much as changing how you think, but upgrading how you think, and even upgrading thinking to reasoning and start reasoning on things in your life. And everything in our life should be explained thoroughly from our God to what we're going to do about the future. You know, everything has to be within reason. So it it does have to surpass a level of thinking now. Now we have to begin to comprehend and reason out what's going on around us and how do we make it to the next level? How do we make it to the next level? So we all don't have to die in this war. You know what I'm saying? And so it's it's whatever is going on with you, you know, as far as families with children, we have to begin to see our children as the future and look at what's going on right now, what's falling, what's advancing, what, you know, where does, where is it shifting to, are we going into science, you know, and then get our children prepared for that. See, that's what happens when you look at, um, from the uh, uh, 80s, I would say from 80 to where we are today, we have a whole generation of people who were not prepared for the world. You know, we have been put inside of a container, and only, you know, those mice that uh, uh, apply or abide by the rules and regulations of what's going on are the ones who are rewarded. You know, and then so many of us fell victim to the drug war, um, gang wars, uh, uh, you know, cultural wars, religion wars. We all fell victim to that, and, and it just further, you know, put up curtains as to what's really going on in the world and what the world is about. And so, you said something. Let me jump in. You said something that I love, though. You said, you know, we have to elevate our thinking. We have to begin to question mm-hmm. um, what comes, what we come in contact with, and those things that have the potential to affect our life. You know, here's my question to that, uh, Sister Ife Nikki, um, is, you know, we know that what is it, creatures, or what, what's the, what's, what, how do they say it? Um, we're creatures of our environment. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think this is where, where the word habit comes from, habitat. You yeah, know, I haven't developed my habitat. Right, mm-hmm. right. So, you know, our habits developed from my habitat. So how much of our habitat, how do we know what's rational and what isn't rational? What I was speaking about earlier was a lot of times the escapism that Africans here in America go to, to escape the trauma of the American experience. You know, they but go the, to the, that, the that and they become... To me, in my but opinion, psyche, I'm rational. Go ahead. But our I'm whole psyche, our whole psyche, has been uh, molded and shaped on escapism and scapegoatism. You understand mm. what I'm saying? Because most people in the society are a part of a religious organization, 
and if you are a part of a, re- a religious organization, you believe in a God, you have faith in this God, and everything that happens in your life is by way of a God or a devil, mm-hmm. which is scapegoatism in itself. So the whole scope of our reasoning has been shaped around scapegoatism. You know, mm-hmm. it started a long time ago on the plantation field. You know, even escaping the reality of where you were and to begin to accept it based on being inspired and inspiration and just accepting religion, period. Because people begin to see, black people begin to see that those who accepted the religion were treated better. So Is it once the religion? came in, then... Everything about us has been shaped, it has been molded around scapegoating. Yeah. Well, is it, you know, here, here it is. Is it the religion or our perception of the religion? I mean, we it can't doesn't. say religion doesn't work. Look at the other nations religion on the earth. Religion doesn't work. Here's my point example. This. Let's just say this. Let's just say this. Up to today, there is no evidence that religion has worked for anybody. As of I, I, I disagree. I disagree. Okay. I, okay. I'm going to tell you why I disagree. Look at the white man. You mean to tell me Christianity didn't work for him? In fact, okay. He, okay. He, he even now <clears throat> conquers and murders and destroys other countries in the name of his God. Look at the Arab. So Christianity, okay, oh, yes. so this is, this is what I have to do. I have to... Yeah. Um, because I'm a person, I am so centered on African psychology and and um, uh, what's African culture that I, I when I speak sometimes, I don't ever come out of there. So I'm always speaking about black people, right, and religion, whether religion works for us or not. But for that, Christianity is going to work for the Caucasian because that's his spiritual system. Mm-hmm. Is a religion a spiritual system? It is. It worked for him because it was designed for him. Right. Right. And that's what I mean, his his perception. I'm not even gonna say, you know, and and, and this not, is my favorite religion, but perception. It's not his well, well, perception. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell it you why because his religion. Well, I'm gonna tell it you is. why. And and this is and, and two, I, before before we go to I want you to give a plug for our radio program because this is my okay. sister, I co host with her a Thursday radio program, so you can get more of this conversations like this on Thursday. But I'm gonna tell you why, because Christianity originated in Africa. No, it did not. It, it did Christianity didn't originate in Africa. What was Jesus so called Jesus from? Well that, all of that is all see, of that. I don't I don't I don't, I don't I don't I don't get into that because we know we're oh. dealing with a mythological character. Okay. So okay. once but you even... take once you once you look at it in 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 uh, with reason and we use concentrated reasoning on the storyline, coupled with historical narratives, we don't even have to entertain. Well, where was Jesus from, and what what ethnicity he was? When we know that was a fictional story. Well, even even fictional, even fictional story. I believe that it was that fictional because I believe to a degree all religions have that fiction in it. All of them are fables. Um, they have myths to them, but they're there to teach lessons. 
you know, they go back when you even go back to the great because see, well I say they took Christianity because they were some Zeus worshiping Perseus Hercules type motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? And so what they did, so myths and fables are there to teach morals, values, to teach life lessons. Even in the African spiritual system, when you go into Ifa, when you go into Voodoo, when you talk about the Pateki, when you talk about um, Ifa teaching, you know, um, certain things to the Orisha and all of that, people can say all of that is myth, but it's there to teach morals. It's there to teach the um, parables are there to teach lessons. I think it's all, in, in my opinion, of course, um, it's all in the perception of the religion. See, when they gave us the religion, you know, we 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 perceived it in another way. They taught us poverty is piety, suffering is sanctity. You know, they like I've always you've heard me say before. We'll say, "Oh, baby, it's easier for uh, a, a, a a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man into heaven." They spit on talk about Jesus, baby. Turned out the cheek. He don't believe like that. He say he read the scriptures where it say asking it is given, knocking it's answered, seeking you are found. He reads empowering, success, um, prosperity, triumph, conquering in his spiritual system. What I say is that we have taken their religions, you know, that we have taken their religions that they appropriated from us because that's all they do. The white man has never had a culture. He has never created anything. He has always stolen people's culture. He has stolen people's sciences. He's stolen medicine. He's a thief. He is a vulture, a culture vulture. And what, so they appropriated for us, appropriated it from us, gave it back to us, and taught us how to perceive it. The same way I say religion works in Islam, look at these Arabs, obscure desert people, little funky desert people, who became some of the most dominant people on the planet Earth, almost conquering half of Africa and the so-called Middle East based on myths and fables, but coming from a perception, a perception where they were thought that they were God's people. The Jews, the same thing. They were told, they teach their children they're God's people. If we don't, so I do see, in my opinion, of course, I see the benefits in having some religion, especially if God looks like you, you God's chosen people, you can do no wrong, and God blesses you and promises you success and prosperity in this life and the next life. Man, if we started teaching black people that, if you look like God, God is you, and you God's son, and you, um, your promise, prosperity, and success, I, I honestly believe that it will begin to change the outlook, opinion, and even the actions of some of these so-called Negroes in America. You see that, sister? I'm right here, brother. I'm right here. Okay. Um, first of all, the white man didn't steal African culture because if the white man stole African culture, then African Americans would have more African culture than none. And when we really look at African culture, we we have absolutely none. Mm-hmm. The white man stole African science. Mm-hmm. And and so that's it. And then he took it and he reinterpreted reinterpreted Science his way So we know you know when we look At the bible if we take out All the stories like you said um, Our religion has Is myths and you know Stories and philosophies and all of that 
if we took all of that away from the Bible and just kept in there what is uh, practical knowledge, this is information that you can use to actually empower yourself, then we're only looking at a pamphlet. Within that pamphlet, we're going to be dealing with science. We're going to be dealing with uh, biospheres, hemispheres, uh, uh, thermospheres. We're we're dealing with science, life, technology, almighty nature. And so they talk about the firmament. They talk about the sun. They they that that is a you know all cultures have gave credence to the sun. You know, knowing that that is the true living God, and so it'll be minimized to a pamphlet. So that's really what white people have stolen from people, and they do go around and they create. Uh, Wicked conditions for different groups of people to live in. Um, they steal their jewels. They steal their riches. You know, Africans. I mean, Caucasian people have stolen so much from the Africans. Pretty much everything. Culture is a body of people who practice um, social skills. You know, whether it's socioeconomics. All of that goes under that umbrella. You know, we we, we do the same things. So in that in, in that sense, Europeans have not stolen our culture. They're Europeans. They dress like Europeans. They speak like Europeans. They think like Europeans. Interesting. Um, you, you know. When you look at religion, Christianity, because a lot of people try to say that, but when you actually study Coptic Christianity, which was propagated mm-hmm. in uh, Africa and um, it, it, but it's not what Christianity is. When you study Coptic Christianity, when you study the Kubernetes gas, when you look at their um their scripture and how they Operate is nothing like a Christian Christianity mm-hmm. You know that's why they had to put The Old Testament I mean the New Testament And attach it to the Bible You don't even get into Christianity Until you get to the New Testament mm-hmm. The Old Testament you... Is not about Christianity The Old Testament is Judaism Which is yes. Sabaism Which is true sun star worship Which is the worship of the stars And the stars are the sons of nature that's what suns are. Stars and suns are the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But this is this is how you know the white man has overlaid uh, science with you know his absolutely to fit to fit right absolutely to fit his so ignorant right and to fit his social political. I think we fail to grasp the power of religion. See, we we get out of it like you said the God concept. And fail to grasp the social, political, economic ramification and power of a unified thinking, of an inspirational message, and a unified direction. Listen, Sazifa, I'm gonna keep your line open, but I want to go to because I, I line. You must have said some good stuff because our lives are lighting up. Let's go to the phone lines. I'm gonna keep your mic open though, so we can go back and forth in this dialogue. Okay. Okay. No problem. 
Area code two one six five three six three. Chairman Carr. Yes. Yes, sir. All power to oppress people. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum uh, salam. I want to be quick in terms of, of uh, dealing with the culture and dealing with uh, culture is religion and it's life. And uh, the birds, uh, every winter, fly down south. And they don't need nobody to tell them to fly down south because that's in their nature. Robins show up, uh, and everybody says spring comes, that's their nature. So when we say religion, we put an institution of our, of our nature. We do what we've been doing. The other thing is that we have to teach our children when we walk. You coming in and out a little bit, Chairman Kahar. Can you? I don't know if it's the phone is away from your mouth, but you're. It's 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 a little difficult to hear you. Can you hear me now? Okay, that's better. Yeah. Uh, when we walk down the street, like our uh, uh, our mother and father taught us, when you see a brother who is a thief and doing what he's doing, they say stay away from here. The dreadlocks come from that. Uh, Brothers and sisters who went in the bush to hide from the uh, from the colonized the Britain and, and and the English and all of you came in Africa. They went in there and they became natural. They grew the locks, they grew everything. Right, so, the Mau Mau. Yeah. So the cracker when he saw dread those locks because you know that brother was revolutionary today. The brother wearing locks and don't you know that uh, the crackers are dreading them. We dread them more can than. I, can them. I um? Can I can I say something real quick, Chairman? Before I forget, that's 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 a lot of people try to say Christianity came out of Africa, but if it did, then people wouldn't have been getting killed because they didn't want to be a part of that when it actually did come into Africa. Let me just let me just uh, uh, finish in this culture and the brother that is sagging. Is that on the plantation uh, they gave us copacite? If that young boy was sagging, that means that the uh, slave owner done already been into that boy. See, the sister looking at him being violated and raped. He was raping young boys too on the ship. And then mm-hmm. he comes to the ship. It took months and months and months uh, to cross that ocean. And that's why many of our brothers and sisters jumped the women kill their babies because the uh, transformation from us being African to dehumanizing us on that ship. When we came here, we were not conditioned to get off that ship. So I'm saying that we come out of transition. What about that vault? And and the scholars will tell you the shark in the ocean Because body was thrown off that ship. So when we came in here to America, they gave us a ship called Leadership. And we're still on that ship, still trying to jump on. But let me say this. Religion is a way of life. And the European, the only power he got in Christianity, if you walk in a white church and they got a black uh, image of a Christ up there, they said, make no image greater than thou. But you got a black up in a white church, you ain't going to have no cracker. That's honest. And that's a scientific. Ain't no cracker going to put no black Jesus in their house and got that little white girl, white boys walking around and say, that's your savior. Ain't no way. So 
So when we talk religion, we're talking politics. Religion mm-hmm. is a way of And that's how we've been raised up. And mm-hmm. every was in peace with their culture and the way they were living until that European mm-hmm. came with his, mission, uh, his missionaries, did his mercenaries. Yeah, and see? He came in with his missionaries. Yeah. Uh, he came they, in preaching the gospel of Christ. Well, let me, let me jump in here and say this, and this is why I say that, you know, um, go ahead. I get, Chairman Carr, because you're coming in and out, man. Your phone is not, It's you got to speak okay. a little louder. We can barely hear you. Yeah, man, that's why they shot the uh, face off the spink. His nose and mm-hmm. everything too bright. That's why they came to Statue of Liberty from yep. a black woman. Napoleon Bonaparte. It's all images. And they mm-hmm. know images. Yep. And they will never accept that. They will never accept those images, man. So we are not dealing with religion when we talk about Christianity. We're dealing with politics. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and and that's what it boils down to. When you when you're talking about it, that's what it boils down to. I'm not, you know, I can't argue the fact if it's, you know, um, the whole actual factual of the, the the children of Israel story and all of these things. You know, I've heard variations. I've heard Israel means ice is raw nail, but if there's any credence, if there's any truth to the story, yeah. they came out of Egypt. But my thing Egypt is, is Egypt is, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. They, they, came, they came out of Egypt. All of these things, these sciences came out of Egypt. But when, like Chairman Kahara said, when we understand religion as a political, economic, and social force at the Nicene Council, the Romans decided what books they would keep, what would constitute the Bible, what would make all of that in, to ensure their superiority and to right and their power? That's why right. I say that they have appropriated our culture. It's but not you know. Like, I agree is, with you, sister. But, but the thing of it is, is all that you just said is still a part of the history. We got to get past looking at just the history, just the story. That's what we've been caught up on so long. What helped me was making sure I had a thorough explanation of who this God was. We have to raise our scope of what this religion has been telling us and guiding us on all these years. Who is God? And that's a question that most people are asking. And then when you get into the Bible, the Bible speaks about many different gods. And, and that's the point. Our one God, we haven't even gotten that together. That, but then that's the we, point. Then that's... we'll understand a difference in the culture when we well, know that... that the 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 Christian Bible is, is uh, Jehovah is a Christian God is a Caucasian God. Jesus Absolutely. is a Caucasian God. But so it doesn't. That is it... a spirit that guides that book, and that's spiritual system goes with those people. It's their culture. Absolutely. I agree with that. And it's find the out who our gods are. But I listen, we don't know who our gods are. But our gods are gods. God, I, got, no, the, I, I don't think, I don't think we can. I don't, I don't the think book we is can. Science, if I, we stop trying to go past what 
the information that we have access to, the information that we know right now is that all religious systems are talking about the sun. So even if we just look at it like that, we have to know that the gods have to be solar deities. They're solar bodies. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you like this. And then we're going to go to our phone lines because I see your own callers. I think God is a God of your understanding. God is what empowers you. And and I love the sun because the sun, you know, I'm a melanated person, and the sun feels great. I love laying in the sun. But, but, if but the, the sun, sun does the whole earth. Absolutely. From a, absolutely, from a scientific perspective. But if the sun doesn't get me off my lazy ass to get out here and begin to affect the change in the society, if the sun doesn't encourage me to treat my brother as myself, if the sun doesn't encourage me or instruct me to be generous to the wayfarer and the orphan and the needy, then the sun is not a beneficial God. You see what I'm saying? Religion is to me not only, not, not only, yeah, if you, if you perceive it like that, you know, if you just perceive it as a ball, if, if you just perceive it as a ball of fire in the sky to keep you warm, it doesn't do that. If your God is a rock, if a rock the talks sun, to you and tells the, the you, or the sun and the moon dictate everything that goes on with inside your body, it, from and, the and, chemicals, and, sister, from the balance, from sister, the sister, melatonin when you go to sleep. That's a religion. That's no, a religion. If you, it's, no, it is I'm not. Tell you why it's if a it's woman has to calculate her how cycle long, based how on long the, long the sun, how long has the sun been here? Niggas are still acting up. The or, sun is been here. That's that's what. So it's about exactly. So it's about how the universe works. It's no, no, about, no. It's, it's just two folds on how the universe works. The sun does its part every morning when it presents itself to you, which triggers okay, your body to wake up. You, you can only been, lay in a bed You have alone. been, Sister Eva, You have been taught to perceive the sun like that. That's what no, I'm no, telling no, you. It's about it's about it's people who wake up in the morning and go murder people. Sell that's, drugs. What, that's the second fold. The, that's the, the second sun fold. When you wake the, up, what you choose to do with yourself is what you're choosing to do with yourself, which is scoped by your it, your community, the society exactly. you live in. So guess exactly. what? People think we really have choices, like. I I argued with a lady one time that she was like, you know, it was my choice to smoke crack. And, and I'm like, but you were only choosing from things that were around you. We're not right. why making the, anything. Well, why, didn't the, why didn't the sun stop her? You see what I'm saying? See, if you can tell, listen, let me well, tell you something. Know what the, has, what, oh, check what it, what check it out, things, channel. My mother, is, my mother is a Christian. My mother's a Christian. And, and, yeah. and, and so-called a devout Christian now. And she will tell you, how Jesus saved her. It's all in her perception. Oh, Jesus saved me. I used to do this and used to do that. Jesus saved me. It's all in a perception. See, when we get so bigoted and blinded to think like you were talking about the various and the different gods, to think that one is superior or this is the supreme God, this is the supreme truth, I think we lost the mark. We're just as bad as the Christians, the Jews, and the Muslims. When we don't well, understand really what we're talking people, it's those about people put themselves in those positions. You cannot it, put yourself in that position. And it's, it's, and it's, it's the same as far as a good parent. There are some really, really, really good parents out here that do every single thing that they are supposed to do with their children. Mm-hmm. 
and they mm-hmm. and they go out into the world and they still make their own choices and decisions to do different things based on what they're exposed to. You know, exactly. one of my biggest based questions on- are based on a lot of the crimes and stuff that go on, like when we look at Chicago or when we look at places like Baltimore and what's going on right now, your first question is like, why won't they get out of those cities? Why won't they leave? Why won't they do something per- different? Perceptions you know, and concepts. Perceptions and concepts. I understand what you're saying, but they know that they're in, 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 in a bad condition. Mothers Absolutely. are scared for their children. So all I'm saying is a thing can only operate to its highest potential. If we Let's talk about what what everything, you know, what 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 you're like me. Okay, I grew up I'm the I'm the oldest of let, six. Let, so so I have before we reason, I'm uh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off because I, I have people who have been holding okay. for a minute. Hold that thought because I do want to get to all the all the. I know they they're dying to get into this conversation. It's a great conversation. Um, let me go. Hold that thought though. Hold that thought and let's 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 let some other people um join in on this conversation about you know because I don't I I see them holding and they've been holding for a couple like five minutes now. Let's go to um area code area code What's good, brother Yanga? What's good, sister? What's good, sister Nandi? I'm good. I'm um I'm listening to the conversation, you know. Ah, wow. A lot of people might not like what I'm about to say. This is one reason why religion was created. And we're gonna mm-hmm. stick, stick to that particular word created, because it caused mm-hmm. separation and manipulation right. of our people. When we mm-hmm. have cult like followings, everybody right mm-hmm. now that's in any type of form of religion is actually idol worship and something that all religions so called secret is. If we're gonna talk about all Jesus, Jesus, Jehovah, Buddha, all this is the same thing, then let's take the aspect or let's take all the things that are actually similar in all of those books that they can't change and see what it references. One of those things is idol worship. So when you got your black, your white Jesus, your Allah, whoever you drawing or putting on statues or placing in these positions, even if you're looking at Farrakhan or anybody else, that's idol worshiping. Your spirituality flows with you amongst the day. You don't have a decision. People do think that they have decisions, but you don't. Your mind or your soul can tell you you can do one thing, but whatever book or whatever religion, if you want to use that or spirituality you come from, it already controls you. We don't wake ourselves up in the morning. Nobody can tell me the stars and the sun. Now, I totally have to disagree with that simply because we don't have anybody who will scientifically get here to before God or during times of God or whatever term you want to use to be able to reference that and stand on factual statements that the sun and the stars is what we come from. So I can't, I can't agree with the, you know, scientific methods. That's kind of like atheism to me because they're trying to move towards all of this alien stuff and reptilian ship, and that's just not what we are. We're focused on something that we can't control because when we ask ourselves, who is God? I heard that question, and I'm going to be very brief. Who is God? People come up with all their different aspects or understandings about what they think their God is, like Brother Yanga said, of what their term is of a God. 
But when we ask these questions, nobody can never tell us who created the God that they're worshiping or who came, where this God came from. So if you don't know the father, the mother, the stimulant, the root, or whatever where it comes from, you can't put something in front of me and tell me this is what we should be following. So that's just one thing that I wanted to say. Let me jump in here on that real quick because I think that that's where African people here in America go wrong. We concentrate on who God is, what's the true God is, what effect does this God have? I can't, if you're living a life that is prosperous, if you're living a life that is conducive and conductive and productive on the planet Earth, I can't tell you your God is false. I know people say they God. I'm not going to argue with you and tell you, oh, boy, you ain't God. You ain't God. See, that's where the division comes in. The division comes in from my neo-colonialist thinking, like the European who has tried to impose and enforce a monotheistic understanding of a white Jesus. We are not monotheistic people. Even when we go to Africa, you can go to Africa and go to the various countries, and within those countries, the various tribes, and they have different deities. You see what I'm saying? And it's all, but it's all about religion. It's about social order. It is about political power, economic power, and 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 um, and always says social order. That's where religion comes from. You know what I'm saying? And if God was, I can tell you who who created their God. They created their God. I can tell you who created my God. I created my God. Or the people that if if I adhere to a certain religion. The um, people who practiced that religion created that God to create a social order. It was their way to explain forces in the universe. That's all it was. They called him Allah, they called him Jehovah, they called him this, they called him that, to explain forces in the universe. That's why I say perception and conception. You know what I'm saying? It's how you conceive it. Religion works for people. You look, look, I'm telling you, look at these ethnicities who have damn near conquered the world based on their perception of a God and them being the people of that God. How much more yeah, powerful? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I hear that, but like you said, it's all about perspective and how you look at it. The only yeah. reason why they're in power and they have dominated us, yeah, they use and try to platform the fact that their religions have some way, form, or fashion have led them to this stability or to this power. That's the manipulation that they use in order to get us to follow their gods. But, however, uh-huh. the only thing that is leading them to power is the fact that they all have a common, a common thing that they all abide by. They follow the rules and regulations of continue, and for all of them to continue to enforce that same lie. In other words, it's Catholics, Christians, like you said, but each and every one of them enforcing the same logic and a different method because they understood that us as an African people, like you said, were different tribes, first of all. We were not religious. We were different tribes. And us being different tribes, we had different backgrounds of where we came from. A lot of us, like the young lady said, did not want to participate in any of these type of forms of what they considered to be religion. Because we Mm -hmm. understood what spirituality was. So if it was coming from Africa or from the tribes that has been confined into one thing, which is called Africa, that's kind of crazy to me, too, because how are we just Africa when we are multicultural around the different parts of what we consider that to be? So it's impossible for us all to be thinking about one God or all of our same gods have the same common factors when we all come from different backgrounds. So I understand what she's saying. And I'm going to be brief. I I understand what she's saying about that, you know, but 
like I said, with the religious tax, the spirituality, mm-hmm. those things have been taken from us. You made a point about the African things that have been duplicated. Yes, it is, because if you look inside of all of the religions, they burn mm-hmm. incense, they burn in candles, they mm-hmm. worship in certain things. So whatever our tribes was, they took all of those things that was working for us at that particular time and then combined it into certain things to lead us into being into these religious cults. And that was just all I wanted to add. And thank you. Absolutely. They and actually, we're going to go they to actually made us stop practicing. And, you know, if you got caught practicing your but, traditional um, cultural spiritual system, you would, you, would get, you would get killed. You know, and mm-hmm. one more thing I want to say, because the sister talked about idolatry. See, that, that is even something that we've learned from the Caucasians, because there is nothing wrong with personifying what you think or uh, uh, something that is really near to you or dear to you, and that's something that African people have already done. And all mm-hmm. of our work, all of our great ideas, all of our art is in, in, in Europe in the British Museum, and they have it, and, and it's, you know, it's okay. We have heroines. We have ancestors that have been so great. The ancestors mm-hmm. of them were so great. You had to make a sculpture of, or something of them, and then because the European was so, you know, just, his jealousy and his envy was so great on our culture and what he came in and saw, they begin to, like Chairman said, destroy our stuff and then turn around and tell our children that idolatry is bad and you should not yeah. have a God and you should not have any God outside the image of me and, and you know what I'm saying, and things like that. Yeah. So we, we, yeah. we look at it now as bad, but we're actually stripping the creativity away from the children and away from us as a people. We have well, always exalted those people. When I look absolutely. at Brother Khalid uh, Abdul Muhammad, he should be erected in all of our households. That was a spirit right there that was so great. Brother Malcolm X, Malcolm X should be in all black people's homes. Mark, Marcus Garvey should be in all black people's homes, especially in North America, teaching our children who we, showing them greatness amongst us as a people because. Greatness amongst us is shared. You know, I don't look at Oprah Winfrey as a great person amongst us. No, I wouldn't mm-hmm. put Oprah Winfrey over Betty Shabazz. Well, that's 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 you. That's my point exactly. When we talk about embracing American experience, and when we talk about religion, you know, I, I'm gonna tell you this. You know, and, and as I have evolved, and this is just my opinion, of course. Let me the first. Let me send out the call sign. You're listening to the People's Black Panther Party. For self determination, Black Blog Talk Radio, the People's Voice. You know, press one. I see you callers in the queue. I'm gonna say this statement. We're gonna go to Chairman Kahal. I believe he wanted to say something. And call. I got you next. Coming straight me, to you. I see I, you in the I queue. Can I slide this in real yeah. quick, Brother Yanga? So you got You got to be quick, on, on the phone right now. So yeah. all the um, callers on the phone right now. Every Thursday, me and Brother Yanga, we continue this conversation on roots and reason. Download. Go to your app store. Download Doc Radio, D-O-C-K Radio. It's a free app. Download that every Thursday, 6 o'clock Eastern, uh, Central Standard Time. I'm in Texas. 
So every Thursday we're on the show is Roots and Reason, and we continue to just build. We're closing our month, uh, March was, was Women's History Month. We're going to deal mm-hmm. with some things come, uh, this Thursday coming up to just go ahead and close that out. And then starting. Give it out Thursday again one April, more time, sister. Give, um, give, give that out one more time. Go to your app store, whether you have an Android, Apple, whatever, go to your app store. Go, uh, download Doc, D-O-C-K Radio. Doc Radio. It's an app. Every Thursday, tap into that. Me and Brother Yang are on 6 o'clock. And now, you know, time. 6 o'clock Central Time, 7 o'clock Eastern, dynamic conversations like we're having now, man, so you know, the party can continue. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, but, you know, I wanted to say this real time because as I have evolved as a uh, person and started to study some African spiritual systems and some I participate in, I, I like what you said, Sister about the idolatry because I remember when I was <laughs> – look, listen, I have uh, – you know, for those who know, I have an, a leg bug. And when my legba was being what they call birthed or, you know, going through the going through the ritual of it, my indoctrination was so deep that when that chicken was cut and that blood, the first thing went through my mind was, oh, Lord, am I going to hell? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because we have been conditioned against African spiritual systems, right. you know what I'm saying, in the ritual, in African spiritual rituals. You know, and, and since then, thank God and thank the ancestors, I have grown but I do understand that mental conditioning. But, you know, I've started to begin to realize that religion is, you know, technically something you do consistently over and over again routinely. Um, but that it is, and I reiterate, a economic, political, social force. You know, African people are very spiritual. So a lot of times when we get in these religions, man, we get so deep and we get seek deep in seeking God that we miss out, something my mother used to say, don't be so heavenly bound that you're no earthly good. You know, we get so deep into seeking the face of God that we forget the face of our brother and sister right here on the planet Earth. We'll be so holy. We'll be holier than now, go to church every Sunday, to match it every Friday, to synagogue every Saturday, and step over homeless people or people in despair and people in need. Something that Elijah Muhammad said one time, and, you know, I'm not having been in the nation of Islam, but wisdom is wisdom. He said, how can you love a God that you haven't seen and yet despise your brother you see every day? Listen, let me go to my phone lines. I thank the caller for being – no, I'm sorry – Chairman you wanted to say something. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I'm going to say, see, religion is an English term, a European term. Africa is not a country. Africa right. is a continent. Yes. And so the continent is so big that people have different cultures and no continent based upon the region. And I'm saying even in America, you ain't going to go to Alaska Dressing like you just come from Florida, and I'm saying that in Africa, because of the continent, we had different tribes, we had different way of life, and when we say religion, Malcolm used to say that black folks argue about religion. Religion is European term. Show me some Swahili say religion. Show me some Aruba say religion. Show me, you know, I'm saying that it's a continent with people. That dress different, different languages, different ways that they live. But we were all Africans because we were on the continent. And when we talk about Africa, we got black folks think that we talking about a country. Africa is not a country; it's 
the continent. And absolutely. And America competed in South Africa almost 12 times. Those European terms understand it's a continent, but they got us thinking it's a country and that it's uh, uh, divided by a religion. No, it's divided by a way of life. Black power. Absolutely. Absolutely. Black power. And that's, and, and before I go to the callers, because I wanted to add to that. Absolutely. And therefore, said, you know, reiterating the fact. Huh? You said what? He said it was divided by what? Religion. He said, oh, okay. got us thinking that it's divided by. But therefore, we are not a monolithic people. We have never been a cultish people. All people, you know, like this, just sheep. Brainwashed all have this one religion. And to deny the influence of so-called religions, even those religions imposed upon us, allegedly or actually, to deny the influence of them, what I call the American experience, is to, to, to deny some of our ancestries. I ask you, they, they, you know, all the Christians this and Christians don't do this and they make them soft. I said, what about Nat Turner? How can you say you deny Nat Turner? What about Mother Moses? You know what I'm saying? They always, Islam was important. I said, what about the Gullah Geechee and Savannah? For you, those of you that haven't been to Savannah, Georgia, I know about the Gullah Geechee, who Islam was very influential in, um, in, their, in that subculture that is very much a part of the black or the African-American experience here. To deny so those things. Go ahead, go, 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 go ahead but you got to be brief because I told the callers I would go to them. I am. I, I just wanted to speak on something you stated about do we throw out our ancestors because they worship certain things. I'm not saying that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's one of your favorite terms. But what we do have to understand is all of our ancestors, just because they're ancestors, doesn't mean that they follow the right things. Regardless of if it's Muslim or Christianity or whatever. And I think that if you look at some of the ancestors like Malcolm and Marcus Garvey and all of them, in the end, they were fighting against those very religions that they became a part of to the point where they separated from them and started denouncing themselves from certain positions. So I just wanted to make that clear that most of the ancestors, after going through the procedures and finding out what the religions or backgrounds of some of these methods were, they actually died going to their grave separating and denouncing a lot of things that they were affiliated with. Mm-hmm. So that's just all I, I wanted to add. I, 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 agree, I agree with that. I agree with that, to, I agree with that to a degree. But like Brother Malcolm died a Sunni Muslim. You know, he died, he, he left the nation of Islam and died a Sunni Muslim. Martin died a Christian. Nat Turner died a Christian. Mother Moses died a Christian. What, I, what I'm simply saying, I'm not saying embrace Christianity. What I'm saying is embrace the American experience. We're so Absolutely. quick to try to run I mean, it's and just give like, everything. It's just like Marcus Garvey, though. You know, I would never denounce Marcus Garvey because he was a Christian. Now, I wouldn't be a Christian, but I'm right. going to salute uh, Marcus Messiah Garvey because of what he stood for. And, and what he stood for was totally against Christianity, although he was underneath that umbrella. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, those mm-hmm. were rebels, so it's totally not about exalting the religion that they were, but it's about, okay, we're Africans. We're, we are no different than Marcus Garvey. We have to upgrade Marcus Garvey ideas from 1921 to 2018 today. So when we sit around, do we do, we do bus boycotts? 
Do we march in the streets like um, um, uh, Martin Luther King? No, we got to say, how can we do it better? And I don't think our ancestors would have a problem with that because we we want our children to be better. I don't. I don't think it's about. I don't think they would have a problem with that. I don't think Marcus Garvey dissed Christianity, though he didn't practice a form. I think when we look at these leaders, they, they talked about, in my opinion, of course, and from my study from them, perceptions and perspectives. You know what I'm saying? It was never a question of his Christendom. It was a question right. of black people rising up and doing for themselves. And With it's Malcolm, kind of like what you were talking about and earlier. Malcolm, like, oh, it's, oh, it's, what you were, it's what you were talking about earlier, Brother Yango, when you were saying, what do we do? Okay, when we really actually sit down and yeah. study Marcus Garvey and what he done and how he started yeah. the Black Star Lines, but we got to look at his achievements. And we also got to look at the things that he did that got him caught up. So now when we say, okay, you know what, we want to start a Black Star Lines in 2018, what do we do different this time that Marcus Garvey didn't do that got him caught up? Absolutely. But was it, let me go to my phone. Absolutely, but was it when we look at them? When we look at them, that's why I say escapism. I think that it's easy to blame a religion and say the white man or the Arab religion or whatever. But was that the cause of their destruction? I don't. When I look at Malcolm X, it wasn't his being a Sunni Muslim that caused his demise. When I look at Martin Luther King, it wasn't uh, uh, him being a Christian or Nat Turner or Mother Moses. It was their undying love. Their unyielding commitment to the advancement and empowerment of African people here in America that put them on the hit list. It wasn't, you know. Now, 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 now. Let me say this real quick, and I'm gonna go to the phone lines. I'm not gonna let you guys speak. I, I know I'm being very rude, but it is. Now, don't get me wrong. That's why I say it's about perception and concepts. Now, I do have a problem with the the black Muslims who go around and they're Arab nationalists. They're Arabized. I, I, I don't like these Arabized Negroes, nor these homogenized, assimilated, integrationist Negroes that fall up under Christendom. But I say that the African spirit is indomitable. And if that is the moral compass, if that is what you use for your judgment, if that is the ethical uh, standards that you set, then a so-called religion can't stop that. Listen, let me go to the phone lines because these guys have been holding. Somebody's been holding for 20 minutes. Yeah. Area code Abu, let me go to the phone lines real quick because they've been home for twenty minutes. Area code three one two one two seven nine. Your mic is open. They've been home so long I got callers dropping. We have been getting to it. I'm sorry, Yanga, brother, I'm go. here. Okay. Yanga. Peace, I'm sorry, I was muted. Real mom, brother Yanga, this is Queen Daphne in Chicago. What's happening, brother? Hey Queen. What's going on, Queen yeah. Daphne? I'm glad. Hey, you know oh. what? I'm glad you tuned in too. What's going on, sister? Yes, sir. Yeah, I've been listening since the beginning. Uh, very great conversation, as a matter of fact. Um, but of course, you know, I'm a political aspect, so I don't see it yes. religious. And um, and I want to say the reason why I do, as you know, the reason that the way I move, you know, amongst everybody, you know, and. I learned a long time ago, I've been moving a long time ago, and having a chance to experience it, and I like definitely what you pointed out earlier, way earlier, about the white left, the ones getting an understanding of their politics, and one must understand that those same comrades that sometimes stand below and, and, and along with more liberal 
uh, progressive Negroes, you know what I'm saying? They have an agenda, and that damn agenda does not include us. So mm-hmm. we have so, and, and you know, so they push con- the class contradictions. But Africans only have class contradictions amongst ourselves. Yeah, so that's right. what they're pushing. You know what I'm saying? It's not. Mm-hmm. So I thank you for that. You know, but and saying that when we take a moment to look, well, I'm, I'm just going to speak from that perspective. Like I said, in moving, as I have moved, one thing I have to learn, whenever I move or address anything, I have to first say it's not about me. You know, so I take that completely out, you know, of the picture and everywhere I move, I move solely. Anything I touch, anything I move has to be conducive to the liberation of Africans, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I fight for self-determination. And I think that we get lost in conversations about religion and things like that. Uh, some things I ask people a lot. That's why I don't really have those conversations because I'm like, if you can tell me how that's going to stop in part, per, pardon, you know, right to stop these ass whoopings, then I'm mm-hmm. all for it. But if what you're talking about is not going to stop these ass whoopings because these honkies don't care what you practice, mm-hmm. what you pray to, you know, what you wear, how you talk, how you speak, they don't they don't care about that. So, you know, it's like how do we get to a point where we take ourselves out of the equations? You know, we start fighting this fight objectively and not subjectively. You know, I don't care, and I done told many, you know, you can flip lollipops in the field with fairies for all I give a damn, but if you're an African that's willing to help mobilize other Africans, for self-determination. You know, we're not superheroes. We're not that. And I always like to say our duties as revolutionaries is to mobilize our people to prepare for what's to come. See, we don't right have on. time for a lot That's of things true. that our ancestors were preparing for. We don't have time to move like Garvey. We don't have time to move like Malcolm. Right now, the stakes mm-hmm. are high. We are here at a point right now because while we've been arguing, they've been moving and planning. We have an enemy. An enemy right. that sometimes we forget that's there who. They disagree on so much shit, but one thing they agree on is beating our ass and fucking us up. Excuse my language, and I'm sorry, y'all. But this is what Zulu's terms for Zulu's See, we pay attention to the wrong things, even the language that we speak. You know, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, well, how she cursing and stuff. You know, you know, we pay attention to the wrong things, and we need to take that energy. And and be more, I see, I like, Yanga, you know, brother, we, we rock. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. It ain't never been a time like, well, hey, brother, how you moving? Who you move with? It's never been that. We learned, true revolutionaries learn to respect each other. We learn That's to right. see how can we feed each other and build off each other. You dig what I'm saying? Because mm. we have to have one thing in mind and one goal in mind, and that's to get rid of this system. There's no compromise. There's no nothing. We can't integrate into it. We can't become like them. We can't do this. We don't need the education. We need to build our people for self-determination. And mm-hmm. embrace the things that's about us, but we have to lose these religious beliefs, ideologies. We have to lose all that shit. This is war. You dig what I'm saying? That's right. This is what this is. And the sooner we grasp that, and and I, I just today was speaking on it, and I, I did a live on that. That right now, I was calling my soldiers, you know, and those that were with me to increase resistance. We have to start increasing resistance, stop showing fear to these hunkers and move the way we got to move. And when I say that, it's meaning go harder at our people to learn how to self-sustain. Don't cry over the rent. You know what I'm saying? Either you take that property or you go get some property. We want to do everything in order. We want to get the right paperwork. We want to do this. That's still feeding to this system. What this here is does not require them. We have to get to a point where we take this shit, and that's just the reality of it. But we want nobody wants to face the get down. Nobody want to face what we got to face. We want to pray and say, "All oh, come." None of that shit gonna happen. Black economics can't happen. We own nothing. 
So we have to face our reality, and our reality is we have to get down. Because just like they got down on us to take this shit, we have to get down to get it back and to get our lives back and our people back. And I, I wanted to add that, but I love your conversation because I love the way ones are able to communicate and express, you know what I'm saying, with each other to get an understanding. And we need more of that and to do more of that. But do, and we need to do with the people to get on the street and not judge our people by who they are and what they are, what they choose to be, whether they have money, whether they don't, whether they banging, slanging a horn or whatever they're doing. They're our people. And it is our duty and our responsibility if we call ourselves revolutionary and service to the people because revolutionaries move in love and love only. That's it. If there's no love in your heart and love not driving you and the love for the people, then you're just here for a show. But you said that earlier, brother. You know what I'm saying? Can I, can I, can I, can I say, can I say something? Can I come in? Can I, can I, can I say something? So, so, let him, let him finish her thought. Let him finish her thought. Oh, no, but yeah, that's pretty much the wrap up of it. You know what I'm saying? Basically that we have to move for the people and the people have to be our only. We have to objectively move for every move that ones make has to be the benefit of the people and be conducive to our struggle for liberation, whether we like it or not, agree with it or not. We cannot move subjectively within this fight and battle. But that's all I wanted to say. And, sister, go ahead. I'm going to read the mic to you, but thank you, brother, for it. Oh, power to the people, sister. Power to the people. Power to the people. I agree with a lot, with, with almost everything she said. This is why I disagree. First of all, it was very important for the Caucasian for the white man and woman to strip black people of their spiritual system. Every single thing on the planet has a charge, has a a source of energy. Where is our source of energy? And that source of energy yields all of nature to have a defense mechanism against anything outside of itself. So it was very important for the Caucasian to strip the black man and the black woman, the Ethiopian, from their spiritual system, which was their energy box that geared them and empowered the people. Okay, when we look at when we look at the Middle East right now or Western Asia, I don't call it the Middle East, I call it Western Asia what it is. When we look at that you can look at the people that enlist that actually enlist in their army, but all them people circling at Kaaba, those people are one hundred percent committed to the leaders. Now, we're going to deal with leaders because uh, 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 the chairman brought leadership in, and, and I like what he said. But amongst a mass of people, there are only so many intuitive people, conscious people, aware people, intelligent people, uh, uh, intellectual people, whatever word we want to stick to, the those that have the highest sense of mind and the highest sense of self within a race or a group or, organi- uh, or organization or whatever you might call it. Everybody on this phone has said the one thing we need to do is doubt a religion. That's how we're going to be able to come together and do something for, for ourselves. So when we look at the whole race of black people, if we would get on one accord, as what? to where our energy source comes from, our culture and who we believe in, and our as far as impossible. ourselves. Impossible. And, no, yeah, no, no. I'm not saying I'm impossible. not. I'm not saying it's not impossible. But when we look at large groups of us, it is very possible. Impossible. Because the see, first you, thing you, we you, have to do you, is find out what that was. 
Because we, isn't that, isn't we that, say impossible, but, but... It is, Sister Ife, but isn't that a neocolonialist mindset? Isn't that primacy? Isn't that a superiority? Isn't that imposing our beliefs off of, like if, you know, for instance, you say the sun. If you impose that on me... No, 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 I just beliefs, use that oh, as an example. Oh, well, or, or anybody, we can just say anybody. We can just, let's make up something. Someone says, you know, the spirit booba booba. Oppression breeds resistance. When you enforce, but I think you, that's why that's why I opened it with explaining. If yeah, we can but, get things explained, so then, when I said then, where we get our power from, where do we get our energy the, from? The energy comes from the highest say. aspiration. The highest aspiration should be the the highest aspiration of him, any human being should be liberation, uh, equity, um, um, being equal. Uh, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm a humanist and an egalitarian. I believe that every human being, especially the African in America, has the right to evolve and develop without hindrance, unencumbered, and right. deliberate, uh, and deliberate and intentional, systematic oppression and exploitation. And this is what this is what we're not getting here. I think that the thing that Africans here in America can unify on is our survival. We're not gonna we're not gonna unify on where our source of power comes from. The Muslim ain't gonna agree with the Christian, the Christian ain't gonna none of that. But we can all agree like what Sister Daphne said, when that pig pull you over, he don't say Asalamu alaikum. he don't say, Are you a Muslim? Are you a Christian? Are you an African spiritualist? He say nigga. He say nigga and he squeezed the trigger. So our goal and our unity is gonna be come on um, self-determination, self-preservation, and complete and total liberation from exploitation and oppression of these Europeans. That's going to be the unifying factor. Anything else outside of that is always going to be open for debate. Because i got partners that are staunch atheists. If you even talk about a, outside, a force outside of themselves, their ears closed. And my whole point of saying about religion only being that an instrument of economic, political, and social power and, and really it's behavior modification, but being that is because that's where the divisiveness comes in. And those people, those brothers and sisters who think that they're enlightening us and informing us are only contributing to the divisiveness. When they say, well, religion divides us, they don't understand when they push their agenda that they are adding to the stew of divisiveness. And the unifying factor is going to be we have one enemy with one aim goal, and that is to keep the African and America uh, subjected. Black power. My main point point is at conception. From the time that a child is conceived in the mother's womb, his growth and development or her growth and development is totally contingent upon the mother. That baby is that embryo that is is absorbing all of the north nutrients and resources from that mother. And every single thing that that mother puts in her body and does with her body is important and significant to the life that she's breeding inside of her. Liberation is a life form for African people. What is going to nurture us through our liberation process? Black power. Black power. Jim McCarr, you want to speak? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, just to mention earlier, I want to 
uh, in the culture and the revolutionary movement. Uh, one hey, of- if you hold on one minute, Chairman Carr. If you're not talking, could you please mute your phone? There's some background noise. It ain't coming. From okay, here, Chairman Carr. Is that your phone? No. No, I, I just asked for the people who weren't speaking, so we can hear you clear, because your your phone is kind of low. Okay, go ahead, brother. Okay. Uh, one, going back to uh, the revolutionary struggle in Moscow Gazi, you know, and I had a chance to be with his oldest son and uh, deal with the Gazi movement. You know, Gazi is one thing that uh, they failed to realize. Gazi said one God, one aim, one destiny. Africa for the African, those are home and those are broad. We here in America are broad. Gavi made that clear. He said, Africa for those are home and those are broad. And Kwame uh, Kuma, right now they flag got the black star, representing the black star line. Many of the colors in Africa, flags came from the red, black, and green that Honorable Marcus Messiah Gavi set up here. And you and I talked that Universal Negro Improvement Association, the African Community League, simply meaning that African uh, a community will lead. He also sent troops over there to help with uh, the Honorable Haley Selassie. He had the uh, African Legion. He had the Black Cross nurses because the Red Cross didn't, didn't accept black folks. Man, you down the highway, you are dead. So his institution was under one God, one aim, and one destiny. He had explained, uh, well, uh, what God you looking at, this and that. He knew that we were one people, African. He said one God, one aim, and one destiny. So when we get into this philosophy and this uh, ideology, because there ain't no ideology, and we discuss who God is, the greatest movement on the planet was the Honorable Marcus Messiah Gavi, and his slogan was, One God, One Aim, One Destiny. And there have not been a movement since. That was brilliant. Yeah, Malcolm X's father was murdered. He um, dropped it. He dropped that. Uh, uh, Malcolm yeah. X's father was murdered by the Black Legion, you know, because of that. And the Black Legion came to uh, Gavi House. And uh, told, uh, came to Malcolm House and told his uh, father, he said, you're part of the Black Legion. We're also part of the Legion. And if you want to talk about Christianity, the greatest Christians in America that we ever knew was the Ku Klux Klan. Black Power. Already. Well, Black yes, but I, I think let's go back to what you were talking about, about the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, the brilliance of the man when he yes. said one God. Whatever your concept was, he, like you said, he didn't defy that for you. Come on now. That way he didn't defy it. He said one God, one aim, one death, whatever you defy. Now, I'm sure he had different denominations. The largest, one of the largest mass movements of Africans here in America or throughout the world was the Universal Negro Improvement Association, African Community League. So I'm sure just by reason of deduction, reasonable deduction, that there were different de- denominations and various faiths within that organization. But by it the wasn't. fact that he didn't it wasn't. defy. It wasn't. It wasn't. And even at that time, even yeah, at that I'm time, the black black ministers were preaching yeah. Garveyism. That was yeah, but, it. They were not it, preaching out of the Bible. But, but listen, no. listen, it, this is how I know it was, because in some of his writings, you know he refers to Allah. 
I understand all that, brother, but I'm talking about... So that's what I'm telling you. So hear me out, hear me out, sister. He was taught, Marcus, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, one of his editors, when he first got into the game and learned the newspaper business, his editor was a Muslim. The brilliance of the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey was as he traveled through the land seeing the condition of African people, not the condition of religious African people. He said wherever he went, he noticed that African people were subjected, oppressed, and exploited. So when he said one God, you know, when he said one God, he allowed those people to define. I forget um, his editor's name that was the Muslim, but in, in, in his writings, he refers to God as Allah sometimes. He uses it interchangeable. But he didn't push that on the people. He didn't defy their God for them. And that was his brilliance. And that's what us as revolutionaries have to begin to understand. Like Sister Daphne said, we must address the social, economic, and political aspects. When we begin to defy people's outside inspirations and motivations, we become dangerously close to emulating our oppressor who has imposed their God on us. We want to make sure that we don't practice a neocolonialism by imposing our understanding and our interpretation of God on a people. But we can say that. But we 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 can say that. But the reason why what you're saying is dangerous right now, because that is the only conversation that we have not really had amongst ourselves as a people when we deal with God. And we can say that was the brilliance of Marcus Garvey, but we can also say that was the demise of Marcus Garvey because all those people that were under Marcus Garvey, they could have made some serious noise in this country even when they locked Marcus Garvey up. That didn't even have to ever happen. But then when you allow people to do that, and and, and the only reason why we have to do it as a people is because our concepts have been stripped. So our people do have to what, know what concept. We, we Sister, what you you understand? Like Chairman Carr said, Africa is a continent. What concept? If you go to Benin, they worship differently, and they might worship in Zululand, and they might worship differently in the so that what concept? When we you cannot impose oppression breeds resistance. When you impose, especially when it comes to people's spiritual systems and concepts and understanding of a higher power, when you impose and enforce your understanding on the people you are oppressing a people, if it isn't detriment, I think the only the only factor that should be weighed is if if your concept and and practice of a god imposes and enforces on me shit that isn't right, then I'm going to fight your God. That's what we need to discuss about your religion. I, I, feel, like, I, feel, like, I feel like black people in North America have the right at this point to sit down and say, you know what, they took all our shit from us. We don't know what our concepts were. We don't know exactly what part of Africa we come from because I just had this conversation with a, a, a coworker today, and like I said, we are either northern Africans Southern Africans, Western Africans, or Eastern Africans. When you trying to break it down and say you from Kenya, you from Zimbabwe, you from all that, that is confusion and that is uh, uh, colonialism. That's what colonialism did to us. So in 
all over the globe you have Southern African people, Northern African people, Eastern African people, and Western African people. I get that. In North America, we have been raped the most. Right. At this point, when we're talking about our revolution and we're trying to figure out how do we push this revolution because we see it, it's apparent, it's here, we know it's time for us to just move forward in our own essence of who we are and not accept any more of these guys that we've been imposed upon or, or, or imposed with and say this is who we are. And definitely in North America, we have that right right now. We don't have to say, Absolutely. okay, we're going to, because I don't, I, I, you know, I, I'm Ifanike, but that was, that's just my journey of me reconnecting to the motherland, because it is, like Marcus Garvey said, Africa for the Africans. Well, Absolutely. Yeah, can I well, let me say this. Brother Yanga, um, if you should have gone to the phone lines, I can be patient. I can wait. Uh, no, I don't need to go to the phone lines. I got seven minutes. Go ahead, and, I, and I'll speak after you. I just want to, you know, I hear all of that, but it's still, but we have to understand, you know, since the year saying certain things about the back to the spirituality, touching back to the African heritage, okay, that's your belief. A lot of us, you know, still believe we didn't even come from Africa. A lot of us don't believe that we have ever, you know, even experienced what we consider to be slavery. Everybody's denominations is different. What Sister Daphne all shot out to you, you made so many good points. You touched bases on a lot of good things. What she's saying is, and what Brother Yanga is saying is, all of those things we can sort out later. It will sort itself out naturally. Oppression will organize niggas, so we don't even need to worry about the bullshit that has been imposed on us. What we need to worry about is how to get out of those things, and the only way to do that is, one, substantiate some type of program where we can be beneficial to bring our people together because what we come up under one united front and what we say is a united front, meaning everybody's going to come from different denominations. We probably got to have some Jews who tired of being beat up by Jews or whatever. You never know what aspect they're coming from. Our main focus is the socialism and political aspects of what our nation believes in as black people, and that's freedom. Anything outside of that is a hinderment from us being a united front in order to move forward, and I think that's what they're saying. Yes, spirituality with Africanism, you know, is that whoever's Christian is Christian, all that's good. But if the main denominating factor is the fact that we're all freedom fighters and we have one goal, regaining our nation, I think that's what we all should be focused on. And thank you, Brother Younger, for letting me speak. No problem. And and we're coming on a couple minutes. And, to add, you know, to add to that, because – to me, that is, a, I like what, you know, Sister um, Ifa Nikkei was saying. You know, um, us as Africans here in North America have a right to defy who we are and to defy our, you know, to defy ourselves, our character, who is self-determination. You know, you defy who you are, what you want in life, your goals, aims, and objectives. And I think that that's it. I think, I love the fact, yes, I'm African. My origin is African. But I am a continuation. I'm a new saga in the African experience. And like you had said earlier, Sister Ifa Nikkei, our ancestors, we love our ancestors, we learn from our ancestors, but we must evolve. Therefore, it's the same thing. We can go back to some historic stuff. I don't knock my brothers that go back to reading the Metaneta and the, the hieroglyphs on the pyramid, the death float your boat and find your lost remote. Cool. 
But as an African in America, I need something that defies this experience right now and that will motivate me, prepare, um, prepare and inspire me to, like the sister said, uh, Daphne said, to intensify the struggle for my liberation and freedom. I think that we go too far back. I think that we romanticize Africa. I think that we try to centralize Africa. And I really honestly believe it's a form of escapism. I think that we have been so traumatized that we don't want to look at the reality of what's happening to us as a people. And so we go, we throw back. You know what I'm saying? We go all the way back. When we look at African spiritual science, African spiritual science taught the world of inspiration and revelation. And but you so know what? If we're talking like about, this. hold on, can, let me let me let me. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. If we're go talking ahead. about being inspired, then we have to define. We talk about defining. We have to define what it really means to be inspired. What is inspiration? What energizes inspiration? When we define those things, then we because we never did, brother, and this is all I'm saying because every every in North America, when we look at North America, North America is about the size of you know what? South Africa. So it's yeah. really not that it's really not that big of a place. It's broken down into fifty states. It's not even broken down into countries. You know, so it's not that big of a place. We're not that disproportionate what? on this part of the, on this region of the world, on this part of, you know, where we are. We're not that disproportionate as, as people. If I mean, everybody in North America has family in Mississippi. Everybody yeah. in North America, every what? black person. When, I, when I'm talking about everybody, every black person. So we're so really not right. that disconnected as a whole right here. Yeah, we got, we got we got yeah we got two minutes. we can't. Okay, okay. We we got two minutes. With Marcus Garvey though, with after after Marcus Garvey went down, all those different groups of people who had all those different gods went off, and most some of them became devout Christians, some of them became devout Muslims. There would be no honorable Elijah Muhammad without Marcus Garvey. There would be no right. Jeremiah White without Marcus Garvey. There would right. be none of those people without Marcus Garvey, and they branched off uh, 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 Noble Jew Ali. There would be none of that without Marcus Garvey. So Absolutely. all of those people did branch off, but at the same time, it created separation amongst us. Right here as a people, and we all branched off and went somewhere yeah. different. That's why we're Absolutely. all agreeing to say we got to get rid of religion. But what are we going to replace it with? Absolutely. Well, you don't, I don't. I don't necessarily. It's I don't necessarily think you. Yeah, I don't necessarily think you have to get rid of religion. I got one minute. I don't necessarily think you have to get rid of religion. I think you have to get rid of the perspective and the concept of the way that it's applied and practiced amongst African people here. If it isn't applied for social justice, political empowerment, economic stability, and advancement, then you need to dump that shit out. Like Malcolm said, it ain't done nothing for you anyway. Then you need to get rid of it. Um, but I will say this. It's like when you go back to African science, like any science, like any science. Like, let me say this real quick in this minute. Like any science, as you introduce, you know, scientists 50 years ago, 
didn't know what scientists know now. Why? Because different elements, different ingredients, well, different components have been, have been added. So we are Africans here in America. When you talk about an African spiritual science, we must add the different ingredients, components, and elements. And just like 100 years ago they didn't have the atom bomb or, you know, 300 years ago they couldn't flip a light switch, as yes, technology advanced and different ingredients and components were added, the science evolved and produce different things, that's what we must do. We can't ignore the American experience that adds different components and elements to the revolutionary science, the political science, the spiritual science, and every other science that affects us as a people. Listen, oh my goodness, man, time flew. Check this out. The sister said, you know, go to the app store, <laughs> download Doc. I got 30 seconds. I love the show. Sister Ife, thank you for coming on. You know, we're going to do our thing Thursday. I want to thank everyone for listening. Yeah, I enjoy Keep myself. Right I enjoy party. everybody on the panel, man. Good, good. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. So thank you for listening to People's Black Panther Party for self-determination. Check us out. Um, check us out Thursday. You know, um, uh, six, check us out, six central, seven eastern, and then come back to us again Tuesday. With that, all powers to oppress people, African power to African people, and black power. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did pure. Like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm going body, this hood politics, acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One Money I duck, could it be my time is up with my love? I got up, the cops shot again. Bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit, this is my hood. I'm a rat to the death of it. To everybody, come on, little niggas is grown. Hood rats, don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Sit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die.
need is one mic. All I need is one life, one try, one breath on one man. What I stand for, speak for itself. They don't understand and want to see me on top. Too egotistical, talking all that slick shit the same way these bitches do. Wonder what my secret is. Niggas will move on you only if they know what your weaknesses. I have none. Too late to grab guns, I'm blasting. Cause I'm a fool, nigga. Thought I wouldn't have that ass done. Who's you, niggas? What you call an infinite brawl? Eternal souls clashing. World gets deep. Some beef is everlasting. Complete with dick stars. Brothers knifing each other up in prison yards. Drama, where does it start? You know the block was ill as a youngster Every night it was like a cop would be killed Body found in the dumpster, for real a hustler Purchased my range, niggas throwing dirt on my name Jealous cause fiends got they working complaints Bitches left me cause they thought it was finished Should've knew she wasn't true, she came to me When a man caught a sentence, diamonds are blinded I never make the same mistakes Moving with a change of pace, light a load See now the king is straight, swelling my melon Cause none of these niggas real hurting were Telling police, how can a kingpin squeal? This is crazy, I'm on the right track I'm finally found, you need some soul searching, the time is now. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, All I need is one mic, one mic, That's all I ever needed in this world. Fuck cash, all I need is one mic, Fuck the cars, the jewelry. All I need is one mic, Spread my voice to the whole world. 